Hello, Fangirl Nation. This is 49ers Fangirl Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll, our Jaguars Fangirl. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Tracy. Uh, of course, it will be later in the day when you guys listen to this, but we are recording it in the morning. And we are very, very excited to have a very special guest today. We have ESPN personality and anchor Maria Taylor joining us. Hello, Maria. Hi, ladies. How's it going? It's great to be here. It is great to have you. Welcome to Fangirl Talk. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard so much about it, and I just love the idea of girls talking sports because we care about them and know just as much about them as the guys do. 100%. You know, I'm going to dive right into something that, Steph, you've written about before and I have always found interesting. Um, Maria, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've encountered this, but I know Steph has. The idea that when you love sports, you, do you get asked, well, how did you become a sports fan? Do you have brothers? Right. Or did your dad make uh -huh. you want to watch sports? And it's like, well, actually, my mom is the super sports fan in the family and the one that just leaves it on ESPN and wants to watch every single game that I'm covering. My dad's like, uh, he's interested in cars, you know what I mean? But he could care less about the NBA finals or the national championship unless I'm working it. He's there to watch me walk around the field. You know, he's my fan, but he's not like this huge sports fan. So I definitely got that edge from my mom. And Steph, you've written about this a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, I mean, my mom was definitely the catalyst as well. I mean, she was an athlete. I mean, my dad was an athlete too. And, you know, it was just something we grew up with. We didn't have like regular, you know, TV shows we watch. We watch sports year round. And I grew up in the Bay Area, which is rich in sports, you know. So it's like you had it coming from all sides. But it's always amazing when you show some sort of um, knowledge or some sort of, you know, opinion on a sport the go-to question from a man is always, well, how, why, how did you learn this? But I don't think they would ever ask a man, you know, it's just like, well, I, I, I didn't you know, not listen just because I have a uterus. It's like, <laughs> you know, I've been raised around it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a silly thing that we have to explain ourselves, but yeah, we're considered an, an anomaly if we like sports, where guys, it's like, oh, that's the expectation. So I feel bad for the guys that don't care about sports because that's what you're expected to know, <laughs> you know? That's true. And actually, Steph knows this, Maria, but I was at a bar watching Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago. I tweeted about it, and uh, a guy asked me what I did, and I told him, and he said to me, oh, female-focused content. Well, then it's probably good that Jimmy Garoppolo is on the 49ers. So you guys can talk about the, how cute he is. And oh I my just, gosh. And then you I, walked I really away, correct? To, I did. I just <laughs> I wanted to like hit him and spill my drink on him. And I was like, no, I am just going to walk away from this because that is just, that's horrible. It is. Yeah. Oh, oh that was, that was his, in his mind though, that's, that was female focused content. Um, meanwhile, I, feel that I probably know more about sports than he does. hundred <laughs> percent you do without, yeah, without a doubt. Um, but I think this segues into something that we really want to talk to you about. You know, FGS uh -huh. is a place for the female fan. And, you know, we also do female focused content because we believe that just because you're a female sports fan doesn't mean you don't like being a female. The two can go hand in hand. Right. Um, so I'd love to talk though about your journey and where, how you started and kind of some roadblocks you found along the way. 
Um, well, you know, I played volleyball and basketball in college and, you know, sports have always been a very big part of my life from the idea that, you know, kind of gave me a home. It teaches you how to get along with people from not only diverse backgrounds and upbringings, but, you know, you don't always agree on everything, but you have to find a way to kind of work together and come together as one, which is why I, th I think I've always gravitated towards athletes and some of my best friends are my teammates. And when I graduated, I didn't want to get away from that. I wanted to stay involved in some way, shape or form. And at first I thought it was going to be by being a team doctor, but too much science involved in that major. So <laughs> I eventually worked my way down to um, the journalism school at Georgia and we had a broadcast news degree. So that's when I decided, I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. And we had people covering our matches and our women's basketball games. And I think we've seen now that women's sports are covered just as frequently as the men's sport, especially because, you know, there's so many different outlets and ways to cover things. So ESPN plus is going to have every women's volleyball match on in some way, shape or form, the school's broadcasting it. And, you know, you can see it nationwide now, which is kind of cool. So I broke in doing volleyball and women's hoops, and I would have been totally fine doing that. Like my dream job was just to cover both of those sports and maybe make it to a point where I could be in the studio for selection show or, you know, national championship. And it kind of evolved into football because I worked Georgia high school football for Comcast Sports South. Um, I think two years after I graduated and every year there was a promotion. So from there it was college football on CSS, the SEC game of the week. From there it was um, working with ESPN on one college football game and then getting a full package of volleyball and women's basketball. And then the next year there was a full package of college football to complement what I was already doing on the women's side. And just kind of growing and expanding in that way. So I always tell, especially women that wanted to get, in broad, or get into broadcasting, for some reason, we all think the only job that exists is to be a sideline reporter. And my advice is always like, who is going to be the next Beth Mowens? Like, why do we only have one of them? Why are there 10 sideline reporters for ESPN and one Beth? We should be angling to be in the booth and talking the entire time. We should be angling to be producers in the truck um, and deciding what the content is. We should be angling to be the directors that choose the pictures that are displayed, you know, during a Super Bowl or a national championship. And um, so I just want women to broaden their horizons to the ways that they can impact and affect sports. And it's not always in a 15 second. Here's what coach told me after halftime. And I say that with all the love for sideline reporters because I am one, you know what I mean? But. I never want to be pigeonholed as just that. So thankfully, I've always had my women's sports where I could spread my wings. And I've seen that that has helped me being able to host, you know, the selection show for the women's side allows them ESPN to believe and trust in me to be on Get Up or believe and trust in me to host our combine coverage. So all of these things go hand in hand. Um, it's just important to make sure we aren't looking at the one role that we've been given and believe that that is the only space that we can occupy in sports broadcasting. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think, uh, Steph, I think you would too, because you've also done all kinds of different things in the world of sports while also being an attorney, which I think is a, a really oh, awesome. Yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's how I sort of got into sports is because I've always I've always loved sports. So in when I was representing um, injured athletes at the time, you know, I really got, you know, a clue as to what athletes go through so I'm very like athlete you know it's centered as far as what they go through from an injury standpoint but it's it kind of you know I didn't it was sort of accidental that I ended up in sports but it's something that I love to do and I love you know talking about it but yeah it's it's something that um 
you know, I, you don't, you don't see many women in it. And so when you are there, you're like deemed an outsider. So I, I feel inspired by what you had to say. I'm like, yay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, but it's so true. And that's in anything. Like I say that in sports, but I'm sure there's like a typecast role for most of the things that we do um, as women. And so it's hard to break out of that box. But when you do, you realize, oh my God, like I can, I, I can do any of these things that you guys are doing. It's just, it, maybe it's never been done before. Like the path doesn't exist before me, but we can still do that, you know? Well, and I think it's inspiring as well, because you've obviously worked very hard to get where you are and you didn't, you didn't start, you know, on ESPN, you didn't start on college game day. Like you, you have worked where you are. And I think it's something like when I'm talking to potential fangirls, mm-hmm. um, it's something that I try to really drive home because I've had some girls say to me, well, I really only want to cover this team in this sport. So let me know mm-hmm. when you branch out to that. And my feeling is, but then I, I'm not going to let you know, because if, if you want it, you want it and you're going to work for right. it and you're going to take an opportunity and you're going to create something um, as opposed to, well, let me know when you do it because you know, that I don't think I don't know that that's the best attitude for anything, not just in in sports, but generally we live in a very competitive twenty four hour news cycle world where anybody can do anything by opening an Instagram account and starting a YouTube channel. So you can't wait around for someone else to give you an opportunity. Right. You should take anything that's kind of offered up to you. I mean, I did literally everything from I was doing ACC digital network, you know, women's basketball games, like driving to and from, from Tennessee to Oxford, Mississippi. So I could do a volleyball match. You know, my mom's like riding with me and they're just paying for gas. And then we're going to Oxford to do another one on Sunday. And, you know, there's like how many, maybe the hundreds of people watching. And I would say maybe a hundred people watching in a Mississippi volleyball match on Comcast sports South on a Sunday. Um, but if you're not willing to do the things like that, and I think I run into it too, where it's just people like, okay, I want to be on ESPN. What do I do? What are the openings? Where are they? I'm like, doesn't really work like that. Like you have to understand how many odd jobs you're going to take. Or I was a runner for Monday night football one time during Christmas, just because the Falcons happened to make it <laughs> into, you know, that one time. And so, you know, ESPN was coming for the Monday night uh, wildcard game and I was there and able to meet Stuart Scott and like go into the camera meeting and hear Jaws talk to the cameras about what to shoot. And I realized I was like, oh, okay. So when you're an analyst and when you are, um, you know, Ron, Jaworski and you are Gruden, you still need to pay just as much attention to your camera guys and make sure that they're excited about the game just as much as you are. And I take that from them. Like, that's really important. It's important for the camera guys to be excited about what they're seeing and know what they're looking for. And so now I want to do that when I'm doing games. Like when I was calling games, I would love to talk to the camera guys about what to look for, who are the, the ladies that they should really be trying to get tight shots of, or this person's really emotional, this one isn't, or whatever. And um, you, that doesn't happen if I'm not literally getting coffee <laughs> for people and running. So never forget that small little thing that you, you guys have probably had the same stories that taught you so much along the way. Yeah, you learn you learn a lot. I used to do, um, out of college, I did onset highlights for um, Fox. So I did for MLB mm-hmm. on Fox and I would do it on some Sundays. And you do learn a lot and you learn a lot about content you learn a lot about how you treat people and you just you learn a lot about the technical side of it um so i think you know i think these are all very important things but everybody starts somewhere 
and everybody has to start somewhere. So that would be advice I would give, like take your opportunities um, when they come work for them and when they come run with them. And then if you want something else, make it happen through those opportunities, mm -hmm. I would say. So those are my deep thoughts. For <laughs> <laughs> those are our deep thoughts. Um, so uh, let's talk some sports since we are women who like sports. Uh, we are five weeks into the NFL season, which is unbelievable to me. I don't know how that happened. We are uh, over five weeks into college football. Um, and let's talk some sports. I think something that I found very interesting, um, and Maria and Steph, I would love your thoughts on this. When you look at the NFL right now, you've got a couple of teams who are just dominating, like unbelievably mm -hmm. so. And then you have a couple of teams who are still really, really good. I think Steph, like your Jaguars, even though they lost the other day and they've had a couple of tough losses, like they're still the Jaguars. And I think there's still reason to feel like they are going to be obviously a competitive team, you know, deep into January. But then it feels like it's a, a fight for mediocrity. Uh, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing. And Maria, you had said you felt kind of similarly about the college game. So I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of the state of football and why we think that is. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but I know that in the college game, it seems like the arms race and the amount of money that's being paid to certain schools uh, based on the fact that, you know, television rights and things like that, the rich are getting richer. So if you already had a really good base for recruiting or you are somewhat of a college football blue blood and then you infuse it with a lot of money and say all the schools are getting the same amount of money, but one of the schools has a super rich tradition. So I think, for example, um, Clemson has a pretty good tradition. It's although it's a little more recent, you give the same amount of money to Clemson and Georgia Tech, although Georgia Tech is going to rise. Clemson is going to rise exponentially faster and be able to get the number one quarterback recruit and be able to find, you know, the one of the best running backs in Louisiana and lure him over to Clemson and be in the conversation and the hunt for a guy who's a wide receiver out in California. Uh, and for some reason, they make their way out all the way to Clemson because their brand is on TV all the time. And, you know, Deshaun Watson, I can't tell you how many players I've talked to this season um, that say, oh, Deshaun Watson was the kid, the guy that I watched growing up. And he's the player that I want to be like. So now all they think is, oh, Clemson's the school that I love because they've got great players like Deshaun Watson. And, um, and we're just kind of seeing that expand a little bit. And you can see that, okay, there's some really good schools. So Clemson's this great school in the ACC. And then everybody else, you're like, oh, my goodness, what is the championship game even going to look like? <laughs> and last year was Miami and Clemson. And Clemson blew them out completely. And this year, Miami looks like a little bit of a worse team than they were a season ago. You look at the SEC, and we came in this season, and everyone was like, okay, so it's going to be Georgia and Alabama in the championship game, right? Like, that's it? And so far, that's what it looks like, a collision course with no one even close to those two teams. Um, and so I think that's what you're seeing in the NFL as well. Two under the undefeated teams, the Rams, the Chiefs, and they look practically unstoppable. And um, I do, though, believe that the Kansas City did it in a different way because they empowered a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who comes from a gunslinging Big 12 Texas Tech offense and I think there was a time when the NFL, all they wanted to do was get this pro-style quarterback and they only wanted them to have this big arm and throw it downfield and be 6'4 and 240 or whatever the size of a prototypical quarterback was. But Andy Reid was like, you know what? No, I got this amazing talent and I'm going to design an offense around him. So 
hats off to what they've been able to do. So I think that their situation is a little bit different. The Rams are just ridiculously talented in every facet of their offense. And, you know, you can't slow down Todd Gurley. Jared Goff looks like an MVP candidate. So I don't know. Those two are two separate stories, but I think in college football, it's the arms race that's changing it. And we're seeing it be completely reflected in um, throughout. And I want to talk a little bit about the Chiefs and stuff. I would love for you to jump in here as well, because the Chiefs have a spectacular offense. They do not have a spectacular defense. And I think we've all always, you know, gone with the adage of defense wins championships. But when we saw the Chiefs play the Jaguars the other day, I thought the Jaguars would be the they would stop Mahomes. I thought, well, they he hasn't seen this kind of defense. Mm-hmm. Stephanie and I had talked about it quite a bit. He hasn't seen this kind of defense. Um, and I, you know, I'm wondering, does that adage still ring true? And Steph, I'd love your opinion because you cover Saxonville. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I think that, for example, I think they, um, I think the game on Sunday, Jacksonville just laid an egg. I think that they had one of their worst um, games that I've ever seen them play. They were almost somewhat, you couldn't even recognize them, especially on defense. They, they weren't timing well. They weren't, you know, they were missing assignments. They, you could just see that they were not on, they were not on their game. And that's true. I mean, even good teams have bad games. So I don't think it's something that I'm going to all of a sudden say, okay, they can't compete against Casey. Nobody seemed um, particularly worried that Casey did win the game. They said, hey, they, they beat us today, but if we face them again, we don't see a problem. We're anxious to face them again. So I don't think the locker room feels like they're not worried or shaken up one bit by it. It just was not their day, and that happens in football. Um, and, and one of the things that I want to bring up is that, you know, it's true Casey scored on them, but when it came from the defensive side of the ball, you know, they mostly it was the, the offense that gave up the points with the picks and the fumbles and, you know, the all the stuff. So it really wasn't the defense that um, let down <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the offense who gave away. Which is a concern minutes. with the Jaguars. And that. That is, yes. you know, that is a concern with the Jaguars. And you bring up the Rams, Maria, and the Rams, it's in, I mean, they're stacked top to bottom. There is really no facet of the game in which they are not super talented. And this team was built to win a Super Bowl. And that was, was the, it, it was- Yeah. I think, and you, you look at how much they spent on that team. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like what it takes to retain an Aaron Donald and to also have Todd Gurley um, and to just to have enough pieces, like they put it together perfectly. You literally could not design a better um, Super Bowl ready, not winning, but Super Bowl ready. And I think team. there's a, a very good chance we will see that Super Bowl ready team ready to play in the Super Bowl on February in Atlanta. Um, so I think that's been, you know, I, I think it's been fun. It's also been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch Mahomes. It's been fun to watch the Rams. But I think it's going to make for a very interesting playoffs um, to see kind of how all of this plays out. I think, you know, Steph, Jacksonville, KC may very well be that AFC championship game. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it already. We've got a few months, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it already because I think that's going to be quite a game. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, of course, are the Cleveland Browns. However, I think for the first time in a very long time, they're kind of fun to watch and 
they are gonna they've won a couple of football games and I think they're gonna win a few more. hundred percent. And I think what we're gonna watch with the Browns is like these wins that, you know, they're not perfect and they're not gonna be pretty, but they're going to be a win. And you, well, first of all, the Browns are excited to get ties. So <laughs> let's be honest, like anything that's not a loss is a, a great thing for the Cleveland Browns. But I think that the fact that they were able to say you can score 42 points and maybe you're going to lose, but that's okay. You're going to score 12 mm-hmm. points and then win a game. That's how it's going to be sometimes. You're not going to be consistently great in one particular area or this is going to be your go-to, your cash cow, your bread and butter because they're still figuring it out. Um, But that's what you're saying. You're saying it's fun to watch them because you don't know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? You're just like reaching your hand into this bag of tricks. You're like, oh my God, like this is the hat trick I got today. And that's what the Browns did. So they're like just this fun, interesting team. It's fun to watch their fans. I mean, because that fan base is the most longest suffering Mm -hmm. fan base, I think, I mean, in sports right now and yeah. it's fun to watch their excitement um I- although i don't even feel bad for cleveland anymore you had lebron james he brought you championships y'all need to chill out okay I, you know what you do make a very good point <laughs> Right. We, I am done feeling sorry for Cleveland. Okay, come to Atlanta, all right? And then talk to us about championships. And the Braves just no. lost. And, you know, I know. Georgia lost on Hail Mary in third, you know, in the national championship. The Falcons make it to the Super Bowl or up, should beat the Patriots, and don't. When are we going to start talking about Atlanta as the long um, And I want to talk about the Falcons, but I have to. You probably don't know this because I don't know why you would. But I am a lifelong Braves fan, but who grew up in Los Angeles. And my grandparents bought Dodger tickets Mm -hmm. when the Dodgers moved here 60 years ago. So we've had tickets since then. So my two favorite baseball teams are the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers, which created obviously like an existential crisis for me over the last week. Um, I went Braves (laughs) because they are my number one. And it's funny when I watch the games, I'm like, yeah, they really are my number one. Um, But that was just... That was tough because I was so excited. I was like, oh, it's been so long since the Braves have had like a real playoff run and seen. <laughs> and, and done. And three games later. Oh, they won one. They won. Okay, this is no. Yeah, and they seen. went up yesterday 2-1. I got so excited. And then, and then I didn't. <laughs> and then it was over. Um, but so that was sad. So I would say that's fair. You make a good point. But let's talk a little bit about the Falcons. What is going on there, Maria? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a little bit of it was doomed from the beginning because remember Julio was kind of um, holding out and trying to get his contract fixed. And it was like this weird, what are the, what are the Falcons doing? Do they want him there? What's going on? And I just felt like things were not aligned from the beginning. Like, it didn't feel the same way it did when they made the run to the Super Bowl, where it's just like, everything is clicking. Like, every single piece is in place in the preseason and and we should be pretty decent. And then, you know, I think we lived above the expectations that season as well, but still everything felt good and clean. And so this year going into it, it didn't, you deal with a couple of injuries and now you see the Falcons team that we've seen over the last five weeks. That is just a little bit underwhelming underwhelming right now. Very good way. Yeah, Generous. This is me being generous, right? Totally (laughs) just a plug for my head coach. You think they missed their offensive coordinator? Oh, that's your guy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree because I think that Matt Ryan's doing everything he can. You know what I mean? 
he's doing everything he can, but the scheme must not be working for him. Like he's completing, I thought I saw it was like close to 70% of his passage. He's got like 320 yards a game. You know what I mean? Like he's not throwing that many interceptions. He's getting it to the people that he needs to get it to. But at the same time, like, why is it not enough? And so usually when you see something like that, where the stats and the quarterback are doing everything that's expected of them, then it comes back to scheme a little bit and, and the situations that you're putting your players in and, whether or not it's enough to get over the hump. Because right now, I think the production is there. Like, what you're supposed to be doing yeah, is there. It's just not working. It's just not working. Uh, there's still, I mean, there's a lot of football yeah. left. Uh, but, you know, it's still not working. But, I mean, there is and there isn't. There are 11 games left. And, you know, teams are now at the point where it's like, you know, the season is going to go one way or the other. Uh, for my team, I'm, I'm right, very right. sure of where the season's going. <laughs> um, and it's not going nowhere fast. But um, the 49ers actually got... They got flexed out of their Sunday night football game. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. How do you feel about that? Is that is that like a personal I mean, shot? To I don't you feel like bit? I don't feel that it's a personal shot to me and my coverage of the 49ers. <laughs> However, now that you said it, I'm a little offended about the whole thing. Um, but it's it's not yeah. super shocking. Uh, they had you know they had five primetime games this year, and I think. When Garoppolo went out, I would imagine that the networks were like, well, that really wasn't what we had planned. Um, so I, I'm not – and, you know, they're Monday Night Football this week against the Packers, and though I know the Packers have been struggling, I still don't think it's going to be a pretty game in Lambeau. Um, though I'm excited to go to Lambeau for the first time, so that'll be exciting. But, you know, this isn't about me. Good to go <laughs> earlier than later in the uh, winter. So I was not surprised that they got flexed out of that. I don't I um almost would have been surprised if they didn't. I know that the the Rams are great and everybody's gonna want to watch them, but they'll still be the the one twenty five game. So uh it was not, you know, overly surprising to me because things are not, you know, going great. And then, you know, in fairness to them, they have a lot of uh injuries there and the 49ers were in an interesting position. They were a rebuilding team. They traded for Garoppolo and obviously finished so strong last year and there was so much hype, but a lot of the holes that were being rebuilt still haven't been built. So um, even with Garoppolo, you know, I thought they would contend for a wild card spot. I wasn't so sure they'd get it, but I thought they would be relevant in December. But, uh, you know, with losing McKinnon, losing Garoppolo, and there are, you know, still a lot of things that need to be filled on that team. I think they will be a lot different next year. But I say that because fans are already starting the frustrated it's time to fire the coach and GM chance. And that is a hundred percent not the case. Uh, it's time to rebuild a team from scratch. So anyways, there's my little soapbox to 49ers fans. Uh, and, I love you know, it. I patient love it. Guys. But yeah, so they've already been flexed out um, for the Bengals. So we'll see who, you know, how about that? It wasn't even like, oh, you know, yeah. some other great yeah. Oh, Bengals got Oh, that's okay. Got it's it. totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, it's going to be an interesting 11 weeks. Uh, eventually, I think the Rams will have to lose. I don't know who's going to beat them. I think they look so good. Um, but, you know, the thing with football that's so interesting is then come January, everything's different. Like all that stuff you were thinking about week five, week six then it's playoff time and they start from scratch and you just never know who's going to rise and, and who's going to fall not to be dramatic, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, but because it's just fun to do it. And Steph and I did this at the beginning of the season, but I would love 
to kind of do it. Now, Maria, who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl? Who's your pick? Who are your picks? Ooh, can yes, I just choose the Rams and Chiefs? So I, I, that's who I want to be in it. Like I would love for the Rams to be in it um, just because I don't know though who else, like no one else looks as ridiculously like you just, I mm-hmm. want to put you in the Super Bowl right now. Like they should you know what I mean? Like the Rams so, play the Rams defense. Yes. Okay, honestly, I feel the same way about Alabama football. I'm like, for you guys just need to be there and probably play yourself. Like, at the end of the day, that's who you're going to be playing once you I'm get there. Go, that's I, I which I think, is, I think is fair. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Okay, I think the ASU Championship, mm-hmm. and Steph, here you go. I think it is going to be Jacks Chiefs. And I think the NFC okay. Championship is going to be Rams mm-hmm. Vikings. Um, okay. And then I think the Super Bowl is going to okay. be. I think I'm going to go with Rams Chiefs. Mainly because I think that would be really fun to watch. That'd be fun, Wouldn't and then I think be? the Rams. That would be great. Steph, you can you can disagree with me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I do think the Vikes have a good shot, and, and but I don't think they can. What well, we've already seen, but you know, bar injury, I think the Rams are definitely the team to beat in general. So I I think they're definitely going. Um, I do think that KC is, is very beatable. Even even like the 49ers, I felt like their defense performed better than <laughs> the Jaguars. So I was thinking, and that's just, it, it, that just doesn't happen very often. So I think it was a bit of an anomaly. I think that if they are, if they do face each other again, um, there's no way they're going to, you know, the Jags are going to claw out of that. So, um, you know, it does happen that portals, Portaled, you know, so he's, you know, sometimes he just doesn't, um, you know, he just doesn't show up. So that's a problem. But, you know, if they can get their run game, you know, they don't have Fournette, they can get that going um, with, you know, somebody until he gets back. I think that they're going to have a good time, a good chance. They're going to have a, they're going to have an ability now because they've put all the hard matchups right up front. So now they're going to be coasting, I feel. So we'll see. And if, if Casey can continue and not have injury, you know, what whatever is going to happen to, just you never know. It can always change. But I'm still going to go. I'm going to go Rams, Jags, Super Bowl. Right. I'm going to stick with my team. And nobody <laughs> As you should. As you should. Nobody says Patriots here, which means they will 100% go ahead Giselle will be right here um, and they'll be selling like some new furniture or something or like some kind of meal packs that they have created. I love it. Well, before we go, Maria, I would just love if you could give one piece of advice to to women and men really starting off in this industry. Um, what would be the one thing you would say? Mm. I would say um, be comfortable being in your lane and don't worry about if anyone's passing you. So if you're riding in the right lane and, and you feel good about the direction that you're going in, don't be alarmed when people get somewhere faster than you because what's meant for you will be for you. What's meant for others will be for them. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that Hello? anyone needs to understand about their life, not necessarily if you work in sports, but just in general. Like It's not about what's going on around me. It's about 
how I'm uh, conducting myself during my race, if I feel good about where I'm headed, and if I'm doing the right things along the way. Um, and I would also say just to always be good to the people around you because you just never know who's watching, one. And two, it's just it just should feel good. Like you should make everyone that walks up to you feel better about their day. I think that's actually excellent. All of that was just fantastic uh, life advice. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun and it was really just fantastic to have you on today. Yay. It was great being with you two ladies. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody, we will talk to you next week. Have a wonderful week six of the NFL. (laughs) Bye, everybody.